This is Dina Weiss on Parashah Vayakhel Pekude, Theory and Practice. Parashot Truma Titzaveh contain the instructions for how to build the Mishkan. They teach us how to assemble its furnishings, fashion its tools, and construct the garments that the priests wear inside it. In this week's Parashot, Vayakhel and Pekude, we see the actual construction, meet the volunteers, and watch with satisfaction as the Mishkan comes together. Looking at how the Mishkan was built can give us insight into what it takes to build our own tabernacles, our own small worlds. It offers us guidance about what it takes to actualize and concretize our intentions, to move from the merely theoretical to the practical and the possible. Although the text states that the appointed laborers and their foremen, B'tzalel, were successful in doing all that God and Moshe instructed them to do, at kol asher Moshe, Rashi explains that executing these instructions was more complex than it seems from the surface reading of the text. Uvitzalo ben Uri asad kol asher tiva Moshe. Asher tiva Moshe en ketivkan, ela kol asher tiva Hashem et Moshe. Afilu devarim shalo amar lo rabo, Hiskima da atole mashana marle Moshe bisinai. Ki Moshe tivale betalel la sot tehila kelim via harkach mishkan. Amarlo betalel. Minhag olam la sot tehila bayet via harkach mesim kelim betoho. Amarlo kachamati mi pia karashbarhu. Amarlo Moshe betel el haita. Kibavadai kach tivali a karashbarhu. Vehain asa ha mishkan tehila. But Saul, the son of Uri, did all that God commanded Moshe. It doesn't say that Saul did all that Moshe commanded him, but rather all that God commanded Moshe. This implies that he intuited what was said to Moshe on Mount Sinai, including things which Moshe did not say to him explicitly. For Moshe commanded Saul to make the furnishings first, and then to make the structure of the Mishkan, but Betzalel said to him, It is the way of the world to first build a house and then to place the furniture inside it. Moshe said to him, This is what I heard from the mouth of the Holy Blessed One. You must have been in the shadow of God, Betzel El, because this is certainly what God commanded me. And so Betzalel made the Mishkan and then made the furnishings. Rashi's comment is inspired in part by the fact that the order of instruction in Truma and Tetzaveh does not match the narration of construction in Vayakel and Pekude. Yet nevertheless, the work is described as having proceeded exactly as planned. Rashi resolves this tension by referring to a story that explains how it could both be the case that Betzalel deviated from the instructions given to him in Truma and Tetzaveh and is still credited as doing exactly what God and Moshe commanded. In fact, Betzalel did not do as he was told by Moshe, but rather followed what his knowledge and experience dictated, that is, what God actually meant. Betzalel consults his own wisdom, and the story beautifully highlights his insights. Betzalel understood the proper order of assembly, whereas Moshe did not, and Moshe agrees to his corrections. The story also demonstrates the respect, and perhaps also the affection, that Moshe has for his chief architect, through a sweet pun that he makes on Betzalel's name, 
that he was in the shadow of God, Betzel El. However, this Midrashic story raises a different and equally challenging question. If Betzal is correct that the Mishkan has to be made before the materials that go inside of it, if Betzal was almost overhearing God, then why did Moshe tell Betzal to make the furnishings first? Did Moshe not hear correctly? Did Moshe deliberately switch the order that God told him? Is Rashi vindicating Betzal by incriminating Moshe and suggesting that the mistake is Moshe's instead? In order to understand this Rashi, we need to think critically about the nature of Moshe and Betzalel's disagreement. Moshe determined that because the furniture is the highest priority, it should be made first, while Betzalel argued that the outer structure of the home needs to precede what goes inside it. Both Moshe and Betzalel have valid intuitions. Just as one does not live in a house without furniture, one does not live on furniture outside of a house. This is not about correct or incorrect. Rather, this is a question about strategy and implementation. When Moshe puts the assembly of the furniture first, it is because he understands that the goal of the Mishkan is to serve God. This service is done with the kelim, the furnishings, the instruments, and the clothing. It is not done through the Mishkan, which houses them. Moshe prioritizes the kelim because he is thinking about and teaching about the Mishkan with an eye towards its purpose. What is the point of a Mishkan without its kelim? When Betzalel reframes Moshe's teaching and argues that the Mishkan needs to be constructed before any of its furniture is made, he does so according to his practical experience. As a builder, Betzalel knows that it will be more functionally sound to switch the order. There needs to be a structure into which the objects are placed. Even though the kalim are philosophically primary, they have to be built second. Betzalel's argument to Moshe is based on his appeal to the way of the world, minhag olam. While Moshe is correct theoretically, Betzalel is correct practically. Betzalel needs Moshe to bring him the design, to tell him what needs to be done, and to set the priorities for him. Moshe needs Betzalel to tell him how to move those ideals into reality, how to build his dreams on the ground. These two orientations need to work in conversation with one another. The real and the ideal both need to be considered. The balance between them always needs to be calibrated so that our world can work well and can work according to higher principles and values. This fruitful tension is reflected in a Talmudic conversation about the relative importance of Yirat Shamayim, fear of heaven, and Talmud Torah, Torah study. Being oriented towards heaven represents a purpose-driven life. Being oriented towards heaven represents a purpose-driven religious life. The path of Yirat Shamayim is focused on lofty ideals and is motivated by pure intentions and righteous aspirations. Torah study is important in that it serves as the means to achieving this end. The Torah sets you on this path. It is not the goal itself. In the Talmud, there are two architectural metaphors used to describe the relationship between Yirat Shamayim and Talmud Torah which appear to be at odds with each other. 
Amar Rabba Barav Huna, Kol Adam Sheyishbo Torah, Bein Bo Yirat Shamayim, Domel Gizbar, Shemasrula Maftechot Hapnimiot, Umaftechot Hachitoniot, Lo Masrulo. Behai Ayel. Machriz Rabianai, Chaval Al Delate Ledarta, Vitara Ledarta Avit. Rabba Barav Huna said, any person who has Torah but does not have Yirat Shemayim is like a treasurer who was given the inside keys to the treasure house but was not given the outside keys. How will he enter? Rabbi Yanai announced, Woe to him who does not have a home but makes a fence around it. In this passage, both Rabbi Barav Huna and Rabbi Yanai are arguing for the critical role that the fear of heaven plays in one's service of God. One can't properly study Torah without the fear of God. Studying the laws and details of the Torah without the input and orientation of heaven is pointless at best and harmful at worst. However, there is a small dispute between them. In the architectural rendering of Rabbah Barav Huna, Torah is the center. Torah is guarded with the inner gate and Yirat Shamayim is the outer gate. But, according to Rabbi Yanai's proclamation, the centrality of the fear of heaven is represented by the fact that it is the home, whereas Torah study is merely the fence that surrounds it. The conflicting architectural images are not presented as a dispute by the Talmud because even though they are opposite one another, they are in total agreement. Being goal-oriented is essential. Being process-oriented is essential. Without the big idea, the details are pointless. And without the details, the big idea amounts to nothing. This type of non-dispute dispute between whether the theoretical or the practical is more important happens explicitly in the Talmud. Uchfar haya rabbi tarfon uzekeinim musubin baliyat beit nitza balur. Nishala she'ila zobifnehem. Talmud gadol. Rabbi Tarfon and Rabbi Akiva were reclining in the upper chamber of Beit Nitzah in Lod when a question was asked before them, which is greater, study or action? Rabbi Tarfon responded and said, Action is greater. Rabbi Akiva responded and said, Study is greater. They all responded and said, Study is greater, because study leads to action. Rabbi Tarfon and Rabbi Akiva are asked to resolve the question that stands before B'Tzalel and Moshe. Is the execution, the action, more important? Or is the conversation around it, the study that grounds it, more important? Although they appear to take different sides, the resolution of the Talmud is that they are both right. On the one hand, action is more necessary, so it is the most important. On the other hand, the action requires the study that precedes it, so study is more important. But study is meaningless if it doesn't produce action, so action is most important. And the dispute proceeds upon this Mobius strip of values. The Talmud's answer to the question of whether action or study is more important is yes. The debate between Moshe and Betzalel, between form and function, 
is reflected in a discussion between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai, our tradition's most famous disputants. Not limiting themselves to the microcosm of the Mishkan, their conversation focuses on the macrocosm, the creation of the world itself. To know Rabbanan, Beit Shammai Omrim Shamayim Nivreu Techila, Viachar Kach Nivreta Aretz, Shenemar Bereshit Bara Elohim, Et Hashamayim, Veet Aretz. Ubeid Hillel Omrim Eretz Nivret Techila, Viachar Kach Shamayim, Shenemar. Beyom asot Adonai Elohim, Eretz, Vishamayim. Amar lahem beid Hillel beid Shamay, Lidivrechem, Adam bone aliyah, Viacharkach bone bait? Amar lahem beid Shamay le beid Hillel, Lidivrechem, Adam osesh rashraf, Viacharkach osekise? Vachachamim omrim, Zeva ze keachat nivru, Shine amar. Af yadi yasta aret, vimini tafchashamayim, kore ani alehem, yamdu yachtav. Our rabbis taught, Bechamai said that the heavens were created first, followed by the earth, as it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And Bechil will say, the earth was created first, followed by the heavens, as it says, on the day that God created earth and heavens. Bechil said to Bechamai, According to you, does a person build an attic and then build a house underneath? Beit Shammai said to Beit Hillel, According to you, does a person make an ottoman and then make a chair? But the sages said they were both created simultaneously. As it says, As my hand established the earth, my right hand spread out the heavens. When I summon them, they stand together. Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai's disagreement is not about whether heaven or earth was created first, but about which of them is primary. Beit Hillel is arguing for an anthropocentric worldview, wherein God created the earth first, whereas Beit Shammai is arguing for a theocentric worldview, wherein the heavens are created first. They each buttress their arguments with textual evidence, and they each appeal to reason to the way of the world, in architecture and interior design. Their debate, like Rabbi Akiva's and Rabbi Tarfon's, like Moshe's and Betzalel's, ends in a philosophical draw. Beit Hillel is correct that the house, the earth, must be built before the attic, the heavens. Beit Shammai is equally correct that it is absurd to construct an ottoman for a chair that does not yet exist. The sage's resolution of the argument is that both were created simultaneously, that both have equal weight. From God's perspective, from the perspective of truth, there is no debate. The world was not created for God, and the world was not created for humanity. The world was created for God and humanity to be in relationship. Neither makes sense without the other. We need to be created, and God needs to create. The theoretical needs to guide the practical, and the practical needs to ground the theoretical. Moshe mentions the Kalim first because of who he is. He is a teacher who instructs in the law. But Salah mentions the Mishkan first because he is an architect. They are each attracted to what they understand and give priority to what comes naturally to them. When Moshe tells Betzalel that he was in God's shadow, 
Moshe is acknowledging that, like God, Betzalel is a creator. Moshe and Betzalel know that in order for the Mishkan to be built, it needs to have both of their inputs, the chair and the ottoman, the gate and the house, the heavens, and the earth. Some of us are more detail-oriented, focusing on the logistical and the possible. Some of us are more vision-oriented, concerned with the larger picture and the necessary goals. If you are a Moshe, find a Betzalel who will help your ideas become a reality. If you are a Betzalel, find a Moshe to inspire you, to dream big and beyond. Only God can create heaven and earth simultaneously and alone. We human beings need to work together. Wishing you a Shabbat of balancing the real and the ideal. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to our weekly Debray Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.